0: mm <laughs> That's chirpybirdinc.com. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Today, we're stepping outside of the healthcare IT space for a minute to talk with a woman leader who I have literally admired my entire life. She's the person who I have known the longest and who I pretty much wanted to be when I grew up. She's an architect and a construction manager working in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she's my sister, Jenny Rios. Jenny joined us in Dallas, Texas, when we were on the Hit the Trails journey, and Sharice and I sat down with her on a super rainy day. So let's hear how it went. Hi, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Today on this very special episode, we have Jenny Rios, who is both an architect and construction manager working in residential homes in the Bay Area of San Francisco. She doesn't hit the typical profile of our Hit Like a Girl podcast guest, but we want to talk about the ways that not only does she support women, but she also
1: is a badass.
0: Yeah, is 100% a hundred percent about us and tackling industries where women are not necessarily at the forefront and in leadership and decision-making positions. And so she also happens to be my sister. All right, welcome Jenny. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me, Joy. <laughs> where are we? <laughs> we are in Hickory Creek, Texas.
0: Yep. She joined us on the Hit the Trails journey. And we are very happy that she has joined along. And so one of the main things I want to talk to you about, Jenny, is how a home can be a place for somebody's mental and physical health. Like, how do we create that kind of space that is supportive of the lifestyle that somebody
2: might want to live? Well, I think that's a great question. Most of my clients are people who are at the pinnacle in their careers. They're usually very smart And often very kind people, they've innovated in some other aspect of either tech or, you know, whatever aspect of their career. So they've they've sort of reached the pinnacle of their career and they have the, the luxury and the ability to build their dream home. And we ask the question, like, what's important to you? And we ask the question, how do you want to feel when you're at home? And so other people might take, you know, construction management from a perspective of budget and schedule and on time on but you know, nuts and bolts, mechanics of construction. I like to think that I'm, you know, operating from a much bigger picture and like building a team that will bring that vision to reality. And so I think a lot about my clients and like what it is that's gonna make them thrive and what it is that's gonna make them perform at their optimum and also recharge. At home, which is a really big deal for high-performing Type A personalities that are in very high-pressure, you know, situations in business and in whatever aspect of their careers. So, we talk a lot about you know, it's not just a matter of you know, what is the style of architecture, what is the style of design, what is the style. It's like, how do you want to feel when you're at home, and how do we design and build your sanctuary so that you can recharge and you can go out into the world and be the best person that you can be, and you can be generous with your time and resources, and you can be the absolute best person and be a good citizen in so many other aspects of your life. So that's not really just helping somebody decide
0: between a countertop that's pink or purple. What does that actually mean?
2: Like, I'll give you an example. There are clients that are doing, you know, very creative tech things that are like trying to teach AI how to understand language of animals and they're engineers and they're innovators and they're so like it's not really a matter of like the sometimes it's the style sometimes it's it's the lighting, there's a lot to do with lighting. there's a big emphasis on a lot of lighting that we talk about. There's energy usage, there's water, there's limiting waste to the extent possible. those are all part of conversations that we have on a regular basis. Some of it is very superficial like what is that detail look like? How do we refine that corner? How do we how do we achieve a look that's very minimal but very relaxing you right. know, to the eye? There's a lot of, I mean, the, the type of conversations that we have in our business is, is pretty wide spectrum. But outside of work, home is
0: this place where people spend the majority of their time. So I'm sure it contributes to their mental health to a degree, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I always start the conversation with clients with what's important to you. And it's an open-ended question and it's intentionally intended to bring clarity to what's important. So I design every project around their goals and priorities. For some clients, it's family, whether that's an older generation or a younger, or they have children. For some clients, it's it's a gathering place. And so it's like, what's going to stimulate conversation? What's going to make people feel comfortable whatever that. So it, it, it always starts with what's important to the client. That's like baseline. Yeah. And then beyond that, it's it grows from there.
1: So I really want to get into this with you, um, Jenny. The um, thing that fascinated me about your company is that I actually do see in it something that I don't see in other companies of the same venue, that you really do educate your clients. And if they're building a home, I think it's the type of service someone needs. So I'd like you to talk about your ideas around sustainability. One of the segments you did, um, I found myself studying it and going to change the hood in my kitchen because I thought, hey, um, we got to protect the environment and it would be the smart thing to do. And I got that from one of your segments in a way that I had never never been presented before. So can you tell me your ideas around sustainability and and why you chose that particular um, subject?
2: Well, to be totally candid, it's actually relatively new to my business. Like it's not something that I, I mean, I wish I could say it's been always on my mind since the beginning of my career, it was always like a a bonus subject. And I'm, you know, at 20 years in, into my career, I'm starting to think about like, how can I incorporate this as part of the new norm, instead of it just being an add-on or like something that's just available to elites, you know, people that have the resources to design a net zero home. Like, yeah, if you have $10 million, you can have a net zero home. But the great majority of people don't have those resources and how can we make it more accessible to more people? So actually I worked with sustainability concierge, Friday Apolesky, and it starts at home. So I started like re, sort of evaluating my own home. I live in a hundred year old house and I was like, our energy bills, like we have a ton of plastic, we have old light light bulbs, like what can we do to just improve the overall energy and reduce the waste and chemicals that are harmful to the environment and to our health, our physical health. And I started just educating myself in that way. So that was sort of the first step. I was like, I can't start telling other people what to do when I don't even, I haven't taken the steps to do it myself. So I'm still at the very early stages of my journey. And it's something I look forward to growing in my business and like really offering to clients as like a, as a, like if you sign with me, you automatically get a, a sustainability component to your project planning, whatever that. Is.
0: What were some of the things that you learned from your connection with Friday? Because I know that you incorporated a lot into like around Christmas time, like you had a whole gift package of people, of things that you cared about that would be good for the
2: environment. Can you talk about what was included in that? Well, I signed with Friday for the express purpose of educating myself. So I said, we met like once a week for five weeks. For, you know, I think it was 90 minutes and we educated you know, just like, what are the ways to be more sustainable in the home? So it was like, most people aren't having this conversation, myself included. So I was, you know, just took a hard look in the mirror and just decided, what can I do? And I think what really kind of was a pivotal moment in my thinking was that climate justice and sustainability is actually part of racial justice. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think, was a big eye-opener for me because I realized most of the people that are suffering from the environmental impacts are people that are poor, basically, in the lower socioeconomic category. And I was like, like this is like a double hit to people. So I was like, it's not just my privilege and you know, I have the time and resources to educate myself, not everybody does. Like, what can I what can I do to double down on my investment? I, I obviously I went through my investments and my portfolio and like really started to do an audit on myself and like you know where I'm investing my time, energy, and resources, and how I can fold that into what I'm already doing and make right. It better. Yeah. But some of the things that and I'll speak because I
0: was the recipient of one and one of the things that was takeaway was laundry detergent sheets instead of the big plastic. Oh my gosh, and the, the fact that
2: we have like a big plastic jug that <laughs> takes 10,000 years to decompose at least, filled with blue liquid just to like wash 64 loads of laundry was like blew my mind. It was like, it never occurred to me that the Tide Pods plastic container like multiplied times all of the people and all of the laundry. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm kicking myself that I didn't even consider this sooner. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we're going to switch to these sheets that, you know, that basically they're just, it's amazing. Like they don't come in plastic. They come in a, it's like a little laundry piece of soap that dissolves in the laundry and it's done. And it's, my recycle bin has been cut in half. My water bill is, I mean, I have, Tons of like rewards, and I'm like, I'm kicking myself for not doing this sooner. It's such a no-brainer,
0: but they're not available at very many places. I mean, it's a tear-off laundry sheets that you put in for for each load of laundry. It comes in a cardboard box, but I've never seen them before.
2: No, the ones that I buy are from Canada, but there's plenty out there. Like you don't have. I buy like four hundred loads at a time. And you know I'm I'm all set for the year. So if anybody wants them, let me know. But I, I go to I go to True Earth, and I just you know I just I buy a bunch at a time, and I'm like, said I'm done. I don't have to buy laundry soap, right? Again. But you've definitely made a change
0: in your laundry detergent and also cleaning supplies and yeah. soap in general, which is yeah, just been basically the harping on plastic as the waste and what, how long it takes for. Those did biodegrade.
2: Yeah, like I, I had, I mean, Friday helped me. I had like something ridiculous, like over 40 different types of cleaning products in my house. And so I just, I boiled it down to one product, which is still like a B plus on the spectrum in terms of like, it still comes in a plastic bottle. You can get something that's similar. And, but it's like, I use, it's a concentrate. So you, I use it for hand soap. Like I'm not buying a fresh bottle of plastic Bottle hand soap every time. And we have three bathrooms in our house and we're home all the time. I wash my hands a thousand times a day. It feels like I'm like every single time I replace the hand soap, I'm putting a plastic bottle in the landfill. You know, it's like heartbreaking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It it can be really overwhelming. So I love the fact that not only have you taken it on for yourself, but you're finding ways to incorporate it into your work so that you can kind of spread the
2: knowledge. Yeah, so then I sort of woke up and I was like, okay, if I did like the conventional way of doing it before and I made these simple swaps at home, like what's the construction equivalent? Right. Instead of doing the conventional construction methodology, what is the green swap? Right. For lack of a better term.
0: So for example, you were sharing with me earlier that you have a project that's coming up where they're going to, tear down a home essentially. And now it's your job to find a place for all the resources within that home. Well,
2: that didn't, I mean, they didn't ask for that. They said, our home is going to be demolished. We're going to build a new home. It's, you know, 50 years old. We've spent over a year designing the home or longer. And I was like, okay, we've got three days to divert as much of this material from the landfill as possible. So like, can we donate windows to donate windows, reclaim the floors repurpose the appliances, pull out the kitchen cabinets, pull out like any material that we can repurpose and divert from the landfill, we're going to do our best. And so, you know, I make a bunch of phone calls to different nonprofits and different salvage yards and people that are interested in using reclaimed materials, which you'd be surprised, there's actually quite a few. And I was like, okay, I've got exactly two and a half days from the time the tenants move out to the time that we start construction to basically like pillage this House and get as much material out of that house and divert it from the landfill. And clients didn't ask for that, but they were like, that's being a good human and a good citizen. We're thrilled that you're doing it. Thank you so much. And it's, you know, it feels really, it feels a lot better than just putting all that waste in the landfill.
0: That's great. I also really admire the work that you're doing to make a conscious effort to support women within your organization. Can you kind of talk about your vision in working with women and doing business with women and sort of creating the reality that you want to see in the future?
2: I've just been very strategic about finding women that I enjoy their you know, intelligence and I respect and appreciate their business strategy and business work ethic and I'm going to invest in those businesses. So similar to how I invest in my portfolio and how I invest my time and energy very strategically, I've done the same with, I'm not going to do business by and for great people. So I'm strategically um, reaching out to women that are, have similar core values and, you know, building the next version of whatever construction is, you know, (laughs) like instead of doing the old dog conventional methods, like that's, Let's create something that's more interesting. Right. So what's the future that you want to see? I'd like to see more women in construction. I think that there's value in having the big picture, the intelligence, the effective communication. Like I have a couple younger women whom I mentor and it's surprising to me that they say, I can't believe the dysfunction that I see in the industry and all of this could be solved with better planning and better communication and just better systems. And I'm like, welcome to my world. Like I've been navigating this for my whole career and it's just heartbreaking because it could be so much better. But it's just this like old thinking of like, oh, it's just a broken dysfunctional system and this is construction and it has to be this way. Because this is how it's always cause been Because this is how done. it's always been. And that's just, I don't subscribe to that at all. Like I, 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 actively reject that thinking.
1: Another thing that really impressed me was that you actually, the things you apply to your business, your B2B strategies, you also do in-house. You have a lot of very female-heavy team, and I've seen how you will do things from suggested reading for them, but also empowering them to do their own portion of the job you give them to do. Is that a deliberate
2: strategy to have that
1: many women there, or did it just work out organically for you?
2: Oh, no, it's intentional. I mean, I love amplifying women in business, like it's it's a hobby of mine. <laughs> yeah, I just think it, it feels much better giving my money to like hardworking, smart women, and it's, it's nothing against men. There's a lot of great men out there. That's not the point. It's just I think that women are overdue. Like smart business women are due for for some you know to get some some love and some attention, and and I think you know nothing's perfect, but. I'm continuing to, I really want to empower and amplify women who are, who are deserving. I feel like we might be related. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like you were one of the first indes- um, construction industry, even architectural industries, who took a stand on the Black Lives Matter um, incident. When I saw it on your website, I was like, yeah, you go Jenny. How did you come up with your strategy? Did you consult your team? Or?
2: That was not a strategy. That was just me waking up to my privilege and realizing like I had a lot of shame around that and it really took me like a solid month of just feeling really embarrassed and shameful that I had not been a better advocate and a better ally for my whole life and that I had been frankly irresponsible about helping Black people. And, you know, I don't have very many Black friends. And I was like looking in my community of Black people and I was like, oh my God, it's an endangered species in my little industry, my little swimming pool of luxury residential. And I just, you know, that was me just going through my process of waking up and realizing I have more to give and I can do more and I can be a better citizen. And... You know, it started for me, I, I was like, what can I do? I can volunteer, I can donate, all those things. But what I decided for me was to do an, a personal financial audit of where I spend my money. And I reinv- I took my entire uh, retirement portfolio and, and moved it from Price to another organization and was very specific about the requirements of where my money is invested. And of course, I wrote a bunch of letters. And I um, wait
0: a second. Weren't you the number one letter writer? For I did. what was what? <laughs> how many did you and the family end up writing?
2: And we for wrote a thousand sixty four letters. That's to be
0: applauded. Right? Yeah. yeah,
2: but what were the letters? What were they for? I it was just to improve. You know, the voter turnout in swing states of Texas and Arizona. And I mean, that was that was a separate set of letters. But like, I did write a lot of letters to where my investments are. I just didn't want to invest my money in corporations that didn't have a diverse board. You know, like Ameriprice, as an example, had 23 executive leaders, only three of whom were women, and only one was like the token African American guy. And when I reached out to, I think, Joe Caccio and said, Hey, we can do better, and his response, you know, he gave a very thoughtful response, but it still wasn't good enough. Like, I just felt like it's not good enough. Like, I understand, like, I appreciate you writing back. Good, you know, token gesture, but not enough. I'm moving my money somewhere else. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I would spent like 10 years investing in, you know, Wall Street in organizations that were sort of mediocre at best. And I was like, why am I investing my money in mediocre? Like, why am I not asking for my money to be invested in smarter technology and more sustainable products and companies that are willing to invest in in values that I agree with. Like, that really was kind of a moment for me to just be like, I'm responsible for this. Like, I've been asleep at the wheel. I've been ignorant to these issues. And so I need to do better. And so that's what I did. You sleep better at night now? I sleep a lot better and my portfolio performs a lot better. Really? It does. That's great. Yeah, I'm up like... I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a lot more. It's performing a lot higher than it was before. That's great. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I think the the
2: important
1: thing. What shows up for me is the reach you have by just doing those um, simple things. I think when I heard about you doing that, directing your portfolio, I think I heard it from Joy, and I was like, "Yeah, we can all kind of do that." And I did this. I went and I did the exact same thing, and it was very important. I was like, to be deliberate about um, how we invest, particularly as women. Where we say our money goes because we make so many of the decisions in the home and in healthcare and in these different environments, but we get none of the say. And the way we can say is by using our resources, our money, our voices to change the way things are. And one hundred percent the whole decision to change my investments came from your idea. Oh, that's so. great.
2: <laughs> I'm so thrilled. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people, I'm like, I'm willing to share my spreadsheet. Like I'm willing to show you what my requirements were if that's meaningful for you. But when I interviewed new financial advisors, I interviewed like eight of them. And I was like, these are my requirements. And they're like, I mean, we had several discussions, but I was like, these are requirements. These aren't nice to have. These are requirements. Right.
1: Non-negotiables. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And they were like, we don't have that person that can help with those right away, but we will find that person. And they, it sort of like forced them to do better. And, they're, and now, of course, they're like, we have other clients asking for what you're asking for, <laughs> which impacts Wall Street and impacts decision-making and impacts money and power. Mm -hmm. And so, I I mean, I'm not out of the woods yet. I'm not done yet, but I think that's the first step.
0: Well, I think you've also been very deliberate about who you want to do business with and what your values are. You've been super upfront about them. They're out loud and proud on your website. And has that changed your... Clientele? Has it changed your the return on your business? Like have you has it impacted you either negatively or positively in your business? And can you speak to that? I can't
2: speak to like if it's attracted. I mean, I think that like attracts like for sure, but I think I don't know when it was. It was probably a couple of years ago. I just made the decision, like I'm gonna work for smart, kind people, and that's how I wanna use my time and talent. Like I don't wanna wake up every day and build a house for a complete jerk. Yeah. So once I got clear about that, it was, I mean, I love my job. I love the work that I do. I will work really hard for all of my clients. I feel really good about my work and it just makes me perform at my best, right? Like I, I don't have a B game, you know? So it just, it makes it that much more rewarding. And so like, yeah, I could, I could do almost whatever I want, but my choice is that I work for smart, kind people and take it or leave it. Like, this is who I am. I mean, is there a litmus test? How do
0: you decide? Like,
2: We, we do a little bit of checking on our clients. Like, not a ton, but we look at like where the, what their contributions are, if they've done any philanthropy, what their litigation history is. We pre-qualify. We ask... I mean, I don't just sign up with just anybody. Like, I, I definitely am interested in, in knowing the... It's a relationship. Like, I'm not going to be in the same way I wouldn't be in relationship with an abusive Partner, I'm not going to be in relationship in, um, with somebody that doesn't share at least some of my core values. I'm generally with my clients for two to three years, so it, it just—it's not fun if you're in a if you're in an unrewarding relationship. It's, it's not sort of like not worth it.
1: Well, speaking of fun, yeah. I always <laughs> like to ask our guests, how do you get away from the job? How do you log out? How do you deprogram? What do you do for fun?
2: For fun—that's and- probably my biggest weakness. <laughs> I have lately been investing in my agreed to do like 60 minutes of moving my body every day, you know, for fun. And the the objective isn't necessarily like hardcore exercise. The objective is fun. Mm -hmm. So we recently took up tennis, which was a little embarrassing, but good. (laughs) And, um, And, you know, I'm trying new things like I used to run. I haven't been running. I started running again. I've always done yoga and cycling. So it usually has to be with, it has to do with being outdoors, you know, it's hiking and walking the dog for long, long urban hikes. It usually has to do with moving my body. I will say that during the
0: pandemic, Jenny had. A really great way of being consistent with zoom dance parties oh yeah i forgot about that (laughs) and that was it was great to connect with you in that way because we were like okay every wednesday we've got half an hour yeah of of like literally pick your playlist and we're just gonna look at each other in the camera and it's like there's no agenda here other than to dance around
2: the living room and that was a lot of fun yeah i throw on my sequence top and (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah you <laughs> get great into it for a mindfulness like if women could all just take a pause and you know dance party time yeah yeah I was doing that during the pandemic I would do I called it my lunchtime breakdowns where I would just like get up because you get in that kind of habit of just sitting at their desk doing your work and it's like it's, it's a good idea to get up and move anyway yeah but to keep you in a good place I would just get up and dance <laughs>
2: yeah Well, I mean, I think that's the most fun. And I get a lot of joy out of walking and talking with women leaders and people like that's kind of my new thing. And just like you guys, I'm like, let's take a walk. I like doing big picture Mm -hmm. hikes and walks. And you know, that's some of my best recharging and brainstorming.
0: Well, I will finish with one last question, which I like to ask all of our guests. It's based on the your career path and the lessons that you've learned along your journey is there anything that you could share with our listeners around challenges that they could perhaps hopscotch is there anything that you have learned that you could that could be a takeaway that somebody else doesn't have to face that challenge
2: I, i've done a lot of self development i guess i've you know read a lot of like i've pushed myself a little bit i've i've i think some of the most impactful things I've done is I've hired leadership coaches to push me and to really like challenge my thinking on things. And writing down my goals has been a big deal, like, you know, like being very, like holding myself accountable to whatever. And like, doesn't mean that I don't, that I accomplish everything or that I don't shift or, you know, shuffle or make changes, but I've been very deliberate about a lot of things. And I have not been afraid to ask for help. And I also like consider the source right? I don't just ask for help from anybody. I'm very strategic about whom I ask help from in that way. Those are probably some of the things that I have benefited a lot from. There's more, but those are the main things. Okay. Well, I benefit from having you as a confidant
0: and a sister and probably my best friend. So (laughs) thank you for joining us today and thank you for making the effort to be part of the Hit the Trails journey and thank you for the change and just for being who you are in the world and showing up the way that
2: you do I'm so proud of you Joy I'm so (laughs) proud of everything that you do and your contribution and it's really something special and I don't take it for granted at all so thank you and you you too Cherise you're badass in your own right (laughs) (laughs) but thank you so much thanks for having me
0: Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle Hit Like a Girl Pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Hit Like a Girl Podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission driven which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.